Hello and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show brought to you from the Upload Virtual Studios. We're going to talk all about VR hardware and news in the industry and all sorts of fun stuff. I'm your host, Kyle. Welcome back. I know we haven't been here for uh, two weeks. We apologize. Things, life goes on. So we have to do some things personally and professionally. And But now we're back to entertain you with crazy dad jokes, but more importantly, the serious news. That's that's why you come here to hang out with us. Let's see who I have with me today on the panel to my left. Hello, everyone. Ian Hamilton here, joining from Arkansas in the middle of the United States. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm David Heaney, and I'm just back after two weeks, and it's good to be back and catch up with all the VR and AR news over the past two weeks. Yeah, Heaney, I would imagine you've had quite a bit of catching up to do. Uh, <laughs> there's yeah. been some interesting stuff that's happened the last two weeks. It's It's been a busy, yeah, it's been a busy period. Yeah, as soon as I leave, all the news starts coming in again. Yeah, yeah you didn't spend two weeks walking around the Irish countryside with the Ray-Ban glasses on, just recording everything you saw? I think I don't think people would appreciate that in the Irish countryside. <laughs> but we'll discuss that at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, indeed we will. As a matter of fact, since you've all been so uh, kind and patient waiting for this new episode of VR Download to show up, let's just dig right into the news immediately and start these conversations. So, our first news for today. Ray-Ban Stories revealed Facebook's first smart glasses. After a week of teases, Facebook and Ray-Ban are finally announcing Ray-Ban Stories, a new line of smart glasses with built-in cameras. And that's about, I don't know, Ian, where do we start here? Yeah, so I, I'm there's an audio interview with me, like with a radio station back with Google Glass, and they put me on the spot asking, would you buy Google Glass live on the radio show there? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. And <laughs> there is this one feature about Google Glass that I thought was really cool. And it's having this eye level. So being able to capture your actual perspective without having a camera in between you and the other people that you're with is it kind of changes the way a photo looks to be able to make eye contact with someone while actually taking a picture. And it makes for really neat photos and short little videos, but nothing beyond that. If you go all the way back to Google Glass and I don't know. There's an entire failed product line there where they tried to do a little notification with doing your in the corner of your vision, and it didn't really matter. It didn't help you at all, especially when it was that high of a price. And I'm struck by the price of this thing. It's very on par with what you're looking for out of a Quest, and that's a that's an issue in my mind. Of I don't know. I feel like you can get so much more out of a Quest than out of these perspective glasses, but there's still a certain use case for that. I also think that the idea of having uh, eye level camera or cameras in this situation is a valuable asset, especially when I'm doing something. I don't want to have to be holding my phone up or if you're much, much older, a tablet at a school <laughs> function, something like that. You don't want to be that person that's holding up you know, like this everywhere you go in, in order to get to eye level, you almost have to hold it like this, which means it's blocking your view. You, you don't want to watch the whole world through a five or four inch screen. It's just not, it's not compelling. I want to be able to experience it live through my own eyeballs and then go see it later. 
at another time through a, a digital experience. But uh, you mentioned the price of this thing. And so I did buy a Google Glass. I, I have a Google Glass. I have It's packed away in a box somewhere. I don't even know where it is right now. Last thing I tried to do was try to modify it onto a pair of prescription glasses so as not to have their wonky wire thing. Because I am a bespectacled individual like more than half of the planet is. And I want to be able to have this technology but not sacrifice my prescription lenses. It's just, that's just how I am. Did you? Did you yeah, well, so I'm seeing that? the comments. Yeah, the people are commenting and they're uh, looking for the price, which is uh, it starts at two ninety nine and then it works up from there. Which uh, of course that's that is the magic price that they're targeting with Quest Two at the entry level with that new expanded storage that they just started shipping a few weeks ago. So they're packing a bigger package into that same price for a VR experience versus uh, this limited three hundred dollar camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heaney. So as Anakazi and Artful have noted in the comments, it is important to note that this isn't something we would normally cover. And there are a range of other smart glasses, i.e. glasses that are not augmented reality, that do all sorts of things. You have some that do the audio playback, which these glasses can do. You can play music on them. There are some that take uh, photos. Snapchat Spectacles, for example, could do that and take videos. But the, the angle here and why we're interested in this and following this is that this is Facebook's first glasses product. And even in the announcement, while he was sitting next to the Luxottica executive from Ray-Ban, Zuckerberg was talking almost more about the future glasses than the current product that he was selling, which I find quite strange in the introduction video. So I think this is, Facebook are very open that this is, it's a GoPro in your glasses. It's useful for some people who may like to surfboard or do certain sports where it'd be useful to take first person videos. But for the average person, this isn't really anything more than a gimmick, especially when you look at the fact that you can take maybe three hours of battery life in terms of video and recording. Maybe you disagree about it being a gimmick. Ian? I don't see this as a gimmick. I see this as learning to crawl before you learn to walk. This is step one. This is the, the preface to the next bigger thing. It's the same with DK1. And if you really think about it, DK1 didn't have positional tracking. Gear VR didn't have positional tracking. And so there was, and neither one of them had controllers. And so in today's standards, we, it's basic. You wouldn't cover a three DOF headset now because who in the world would buy a three DOF headset right now? But we know that this is a step in that direction. So if all of a sudden we wait until it is aware of its physical environment and suddenly has LIDAR and can do 3D, this, that, or the other, and actually augment your reality, we need to have talked about this first, I think, in my opinion. There's like this AR product we want that's going to require so much more processing inside the headset in order to make something like an AR version of these glasses. Just how many years are we going to have to wait before these things become what you're talking about, become an actual compelling AR product? Yeah, I think that's one of the real takeaways from this product. We have something here that is 40 grams. Facebook has said it's five grams heavier than the standard glasses without the camera features. It has, if you're using it for audio streaming, a three-hour battery life, no IP rating, and this is something that is being sold at 299 so it's it seems unrealistic to expect that in just a few short years we're going to somehow have something that can do 
augmented reality and a similar form factor. And that's what we saw with Snapchat's, you know, Spectacles V4 that are available to creators. They do have an AR capability, but it's on a very limited field of view. And the battery life there is 30 minutes. So there is this huge problem here of even if they could make compelling AR glasses, they wouldn't be able to actually power them for more than a few minutes without some sort of radical improvement in battery technology. And it's possible that unless sort of very radical improvements in power efficiency on the chips and in displays can be made, that might be what we have to wait for to get the AR glasses. We may have to wait for these sort of near horizon solid state batteries. But every time we see a product like this shipped, be it Amazon's audio glasses or Snapchat spectacles or now Ray-Ban stories, I think it just really highlights how far away those dream AR glasses really truly are. You snuck something in there about IP rating, and I want to talk about that because IP rating, as I understand it, is the ability to get wet. It's like gremlins, don't get them wet. What do you think about these not having an IP rating at all? I think it really hampers the GoPro in your glasses selling point, doesn't it? Because even Zuckerberg's example was one of them was sealing, I believe. And it seems like that's not something you want to take a product that can't be getting wet or get dust in it. And the reason I brought that up is to do that, they're going to have to make the glasses even more heavy to try and make sure that it's mm-hmm. sealed to things like that and <laughs> increase the cost further. So, or, if you're, so or- we're... They could do what they do with the GoPro and build a giant plastic case that goes around it on your head. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. I see a kind of a waterproof yeah. overcase. I think the fact yeah. that these come with the, the case for battery charging, as in it has three days of battery life listed in the specs, shows what a lot of these AR glasses will probably do. It, it may be that they have to ship AR glasses, Apple and Facebook and other consumer companies looking to do this, that do have this really short battery life and every so often you just have to put them in your pocket and charge them back up, even perhaps from your phone. But it's, it's just so difficult to imagine how in something that looks like glasses, we're go- they're going to get to a smartphone replaceable device and last any amount of time at all. I just, I don't see where this magic step is. I, I see Abzar here. If you cry because of buyer's remorse, you lose your two ninety nine purchase. That's funny. However, my purchase was going to be much more expensive. And let me tell you why. Again, as I mentioned earlier, as a bespectacled individual, I wear glasses to see. I have to. And so to wear a pair of novelty glasses, uh, I'm not going to put Ray-Bans on top of my $60 Zenny glasses that I got off the internet, I'm going to want prescription lenses. So I went through the process on Ray-Bans website the day that they came out to see not only what it would cost, but how it worked. And over $600 was the final price. I think it was like $615, don't quote me on the exact price there, to get prescription lenses. And this is without Ray-Ban knowing what my prescription is. Now, Luckily, my prescription hasn't changed in years, so I have been using the same prescription over and over again on online, like, you know, Warby Parker and Zenny and these types of sites where you can just give them your prescription and order the glasses. But Ray-Ban requires a less than two-year-old prescription on paper, emailed, SMS, send them an image of a legit prescription for them to make prescription lenses for you. And uh, in this situation, the prescription lenses are literally the same cost as the stories glasses. Mm. So it would basically be a double cost in order for me to get prescription. And to me that I just was so sad 
I'm really sad because now I wonder why Facebook doesn't create something that just attaches on the side of a regular pair of prescription glasses. For this type of scenario, where is that? The Google Glass that I was trying to attach to my prescription glasses. Why doesn't somebody come out with something like that? Or does it exist and I'm just not aware? Please tell me. No, that makes perfect sense as, a, as an eventual direction Facebook could go if they identify that there is a market for these things that they're interested in. So a little attachment makes sense, I guess. There's just... I, is now the time to transition to the uh, space pirate trainer analogy here? Because I, I think it does fold in pr well. And I would say the, well, the last thing I just wanted to say on, on Ray-Ban, just while we're still on it, is we should talk about that Luxotica, Luxotica partnership because I, I'm not a glasses wearer, Kyle. How much is prescription lenses normally for regular glasses that aren't so if i go to zenny this is starting to sound brought to you by zenny no it's not if i go to zenny which is my online preferred shop to buy my glasses uh, i get lenses with all the beefiness like super thin because without it i'd look like pop bottle super thin scratch resistant i have transitions because i think it's 1975 still all the cool fun stuff on my glasses i think that the most i've paid 130 dollars. now my wife who her prescription isn't so bad and she doesn't get all the fun stuff it's under 100 maybe 70 80 dollars shipped so this is the thing facebook is at the same time, trying to offer a low-cost alternative to Apple in the long term, I think the executives have been pretty clear about that, that they want to compete on price pretty heavily. But then their partnership with these smart glasses is with Luxottica. And James O'Loughlin points out Luxottica owns Oakley. They also own Ray-Ban. They actually have quite a quite close to a monopoly on these luxury gla glasses brands more brands than you think are owned by this one company luxotica mm. and it's clear that's why facebook wants to partner with them but my question is this a long-term partnership are we going to see facebook's ar glasses branded through oakley through ray-ban and is that going to be how they compete with apple or it, and if they are going to do that how do they balance the fact that these are luxury brands that do charge you 300 dollars for your prescription lenses when the, at the same time they're trying to deliver a low-cost product well, Heaney, I'll tell you right now, without my glasses on, without my glasses on, the relationship between Luxottica and Facebook isn't very clear to me. <laughs> is that what you guys all came for? There it is. Are you not entertained? I actually did just <laughs> accidentally hit my mute mic button just as I laughed by throwing my hand on there. <laughs> oh, man. So okay, so... You go to the Space Pirate Trainer thing? Yeah. Yes, All let's right. do so, it. Let's do it. So Space Pirate Trainer DX update, the arena update that requires 10 meters by 10 meters, hit the same day as this Ray-Ban product hitting the market. So mm -hmm. Facebook basically allowed this update to hit the core Space Pirate Trainer game the same day that they're actually putting these out on the market. So you've got what what seems to me two very public attempts to associate the Facebook brand with out-of-home tech usage. In this interview that I did with Space Pirate Trainer devs uh, late last week, he referred to, I think, Patrick Hackett over there at iIllusions, one of the developers of Tilt Brush, said he called them computer glasses. He hopes that it just becomes commonplace that your local volleyball court or your racquetball court are sometimes used by people wearing computer glasses. And that's literally what we're talking about with 
when you you know take away all the AR and VR terminology, these future Ray-Ban glasses, the future AR glasses that Facebook uh, will launch will be another pair of computer glasses just built for a different kind of market or different kinds of use cases. In the next six months to a year, a lot of people are going to start learning in lots of different contexts that Facebook is a computer eyewear company. And there's actually multiple models of Facebook branded computer eyeglasses you can go get. And the the conversation is no longer about, does it work? How many pieces of devices do I need to put around my living room to make VR work? It's more of how many hundreds of dollars is it going to cost me and are my kids going to want it? And for both of these examples, they've got to overcome a lot of really awkward social barriers. Did you have to have any awkward conversations to get this set up going, Kyle, in this court? Awkward conversations... Not with my children. So we we made this a whole family experience. We went down to the park and, you know, my, my big thing is the fact that my children have been immersed in this VR concept from the very beginning. And so I don't have to feel like there's any, okay, now don't walk into anything. Don't run into anything. Don't yell because remember we're not at home that kind of stuff you don't see it in this video but we do have a version of this video if anybody wants to see it where you can see us walking around up at the top of the video the whole time and in that you can see that every once in a while you see my daughter annie kind of just lift her headset up just to just to be certain that she's not going to run into anything now this is a 16 year old who plays echo as good as anybody I've ever seen. And as a result, and again, you can't see it in the video here, but there's tape holding her controllers together right now. I need to get her a new set because both of those controllers of hers have been blasted against a wall in her room as a result of playing Echo. And all of a sudden, I'll be sitting in my bedroom. All of a sudden, I hear, boom, ah, and then expletives. And what happened? She's, I broke the controller. It's like, okay, let's get you taped up and it works fine. But no, the actual fun thing, for us was when people were walking by. Now we can hear them. They don't know we can hear them, but we can hear them talking. And I I lifted my headset up at one point and I look and I see a father and a son. It looked very Andy Griffith kind of thing. (laughs) And they're just walking along the path next to the basketball court we were at. And the son says, dad, what are they doing? And the dad just looks down at the kid and goes, they're in virtual reality. I couldn't have <laughs> I couldn't have scripted this better than what it really did happen. And there's a pool, there's a public pool next to like in off in the distance from the basketball court and there were people like kids in the pool looking out the fence looking to see what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, actually the only reason I brought my other kid along is because I wanted to make sure nobody stole my iPhone on my mm-hmm. uh, tripod that was recording us because <laughs> I'm like, we're not going to see it. Also, you just see it walk away. Yeah. So, it, but it was a very interesting, fun experience. Annie and I both said that was the most fun we'd had in VR together. And this is, I go in rec room, play paintball with them all the time and stuff. There was just something much more compelling about doing it at the time together, running around without thumbsticks moving us. It was just Hearing- so... Hearing their footsteps running around behind you around Uh like those little like that's spatial audio right there that literally it's just built into the fact that you're co-located in the same spot. And you get this subtle little impression of a person hiding behind the wall right in front of you. Yeah, it's amazing. And but everything you just described there is exactly the the reason I wanted to connect this to the Ray-Ban story, 
because it's literally, there's going to be, I went to my local rent rec center and said, can I use your basketball court, this VR headset? I've got, you know, my VR headsets in, in each hand and they're warning me that they can't cordon off a corner of the basketball court just for me. They have to let other people use the court for basketball. So there's potentially basketballs flying around my play space. Mm-hmm. And that's like the easiest large scale venue that I could get to with the right kind of lighting at the right kind of d- at the right time of day. They there was this comment from the iIllusions devs in this interview that I got with them last week and they said something to the effect of we hope that the journey to find a compatible location is part of the fun. Like that old quote of like maybe right. the yeah the real magic was the friends we made along the way or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like the journey is part of the fun here of actually finding a place that will work for this. Yeah, I had a really great park just right down the road uh, from our house. And I said, oh, okay, there's a basketball court, there's a tennis court, there's a pool, and there's a soccer pitch, field, whatever, depending on where you're at. And we tried the tennis court, and the tennis court worked, but the problem with the tennis court was is that it wasn't covered with trees. And so you'll notice that this basketball court that we're doing this on is it's very shaded. There's the trees just completely surrounding the whole basketball court, whereas the tennis court did not have that. So I do have some footage of me playing solo on on the basket on the uh, tennis court, and it worked. But every once in a while, I lost tracking. And for those of you, I see people talking about it. Yes, the infrared. Yeah, you can see all the trees all around. There was just enough that it completely blocked out and gave plenty of shade. But the IR, the infrared that's blasting down from the sun on a regular basis, it it messes with stuff. It just me- it bounces up and it shows like there's weird like creatures inside your guardian when you're walking around. It, it is just a mess. And so we found as uh, and I made a tweet about this earlier today in the movie Rain of Fire, 2002 movie with Matthew McConaughey and uh, <laughs> Christian Bale. Fantastic movie, but the classic. It, it, it is. It's a timeless classic. But there's that bewitching hour, that magic hour of dusk and and ian and i had a conversation about it that night when i was recording this is that between seven and eight during this time of the year it's just dark enough but it's just light enough to get a good trip and i have seen people complain in the comments on our videos and in on on twitter and youtube and facebook it is very difficult to find that perfect time that perfect spot that perfect everything and so maybe you're writing and maybe part of the experience is finding a right place to do this but those of us who have been in vr for a while have been wanting not everybody even has a three by three meter area to do relatively good positional tracked vr so yes it is part of the experience but you do see people talk about it less and less. Oh, I don't have a room to do VR. I'm going to hit the wall. I'm going to hit this. You don't hear that as much. But now you are now that the space needed is so much bigger. And I do. I feel for those of you who do not have that. This is an extremely amazing experience. I highly recommend everybody give it a shot. Indoor arenas right now. If your kids play indoor soccer or whatever, if you can throw a couple bucks down and rent out one of the, that would be perfect. An indoor soccer field would be amazing for this sort of thing. Yeah. So there was one other comment from the devs that really stuck with me. And I'm going to post a, an edited transcript of this conversation, as well as a a shorter version where I've just keyed in on this, these main elements, uh, 
of our conversation. But one of the things they mentioned was the lead dev, I think Dirk mentioned, going around locations and looking for arenas now. And I so understood this way of discussing VR, but he's literally, anytime he's going around traveling anywhere, he's picturing in his head, can that place actually sustain a whole arena match? Is it 10 by 10 meters? And I don't know uh, anyone that's had a VR headset for, I don't know, any length of time. If you've even had it one night, you start looking at your living room in a different way, trying to figure out if you can rearrange all the furniture, what you can move out of the room to make space for uh, a larger VR play space. Everyone has done it. It's been happening for five years now. And here's this dev discussing how it's almost like literally software is eating the world. And you've got this visual representation over time of five years ago, it was just a room scale uh, eating of the world. But now this person is is out there um, looking for 10 by 10 spaces. We can't be far from having old derelict malls that, you know, died in the 90s and 2000s converted over for paintball spaces. That's a good idea. Ian, go ahead, Heaney, if you've got a comment there. I was just going to say that I've expressed this view in the past, but I still hold the view that that is going to be the future of VR arcades far more than the current iteration we see today where you go and you use their hardware that they've had to purchase on their computers and the price is really high. I could very easily see that the future of a VR arcade and what that means is simply a place that you rent the time to go and use a large space. And maybe... They have layouts that support certain games better. Maybe they have some sort of props that games can support. But in general, this idea of bringing your own wireless standalone headset and all you need is a large space. Yeah, why won't that be a market? I can't see any reason that won't be a a market given how many physical properties are now on sale, given the current economic situation. So a few things, a few responses to both of you. There was in my old hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, I don't know, it might still be there, forgive me if it is, there used to be a place called the Bandwagon. And you, if you had a band, you would go in, it was a big couple story building and you bring all your band equipment, set it up and it was, all the rooms were soundproofed. It was like a, and you just rented it by, you know, the hour or the week or the month or whatever. And it was like an apartment that you go with your buddies and play your band music without bothering everybody else. And it would, it was great. It was perfect. And I could totally see that concept adapted for VR, a fully padded room. That's maybe 15 by 15. This is huge. I I realize that, but there's opportunity for that. Ian, you mentioned about wandering around looking for places that, Oh, that would be a good spot for VR. That would be a good spot for VR. You're a fisherman as am I. I remember as I would drive around with my dad when I was a kid, we would pass a pond and he would say, what if there's any fish in there? And then you, you know what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I wonder if I could play yeah. VR there. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's just 21st century version of it. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, just one more thing. There, there were several comments in here about an IR blaster and uh, not that the product IR blaster. That's something. A, a, an IR lamp that you can purchase. Those things do exist and you can play. Sometimes if I want to do VR in bed while my wife is asleep, I will turn on my IR blaster. The lights are out. It's pitch black in the room, but I can turn on my IR blaster and still use VR. It's a thing. It works. You can buy these things on Amazon. It's really great to be able to do VR in total pitch black to not bother somebody else in the room or whatever. But doing it outside, 
I in pitch black, I guess the, the same concept of it being completely dark versus the idea of having a headset on you're blinded both ways. The pass through is actually really amazing in dark with an IR lamp. It really works really well. Yeah. It's something you would definitely want to try if you want. Maybe we can it's, do a whole article about yeah, VR it's funny. in the dark. It's, it's, talking about that just gets my mind going with all sorts of creative ideas of just that's exactly the type of thing i think the the developers are hoping see happens around this game of what can i actually set up four posts and play this for two hours with four little ir lamps pointing out at different directions of the, yeah. the play space you probably only like, need one or two they're very powerful but the, the i want to transition to this other store we've got because it folds in with some of these comments and the the comment was something that I focused on a lot in my raw interview, and I cut it out of the smaller interview where I talked to the devs over there. They, they developed this game over more than three years. They've been working on this arena scale version of the game, and it needed the support of a platform company. And Facebook came and supported this product. But the comment from Adam was navigating real life geometry in VR is super dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I covered this with the devs, and it's one of these super yeah it's the absolute cutting edge of technology right now and it's why i wanted to get into the to the shape space shapes space sense sorry yeah i was going to say the same thing we should cover the space sense feature before links given higher all right level. let's do it then all right so the news piece that ian is talking about here oculus quest 2 space sense guardian feature found in version 32 an oculus quest 2 user has found updated graphics and settings for the hidden guardian intrusion detection feature now called space ghost space sense all right that's creepy isn't it though ian does just see i wonder how like quickly it updates have you ever seen the what is the movie about the the thousand planets or thousand valerian there's a planet where they go to in valerian and there's an entire alternate layer to this world that they go to and you can only see the alternate layer of the world with glasses. And it were very I saw much that movie me. with Rowdy Roddy Piper and he's got the sunglasses. <laughs> they they live or what is it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. No. No, I think go the other reality as ghost is actually like a common a pretty common idea to come back to. So I'm curious to see if this visualization is anywhere close to how it will look. I, I know on was it on the mixed reality platform, Windows, they had like a flashlight. For doing their pass-through, yeah. And it functioned very much like a flashlight if you wanted it to. And that lets you see into the world on the outside. It kind of, this this has those vibes too, a little bit to me. Yeah, for sure. This is one of those features that will be undoubtedly, I think, considered essential in all headsets once it does ship. And people will that didn't use VR in this era will wonder how we ever did use VR without it. Because that is still one of the big elephants in the room of VR, the fact that you're going to bump into things. Kyle, you were referencing how your daughter, when she's playing Echo Arena, bumps into things with the controllers to the point that you actually need to replace the controllers soon. Yeah. The ability to have more awareness of the environment. Obviously, what we do want that is separate and what we've discussed before is this idea that your table and your wardrobes and, and your bed might be brought in and shown in a ghost view as your static geometry. But this is essential too, because what if your cat walks in, your dog walks in, something falls off a shelf, someone walks into the room. It's one of those things that prevents people from using VR in certain situations, because you only want to go in when you know that you're not going to have these real world objects distracting you and potentially causing damage. So I'm really hyped to see this feature ship. And it's one of those things that it is essential for VR to go mainstream. 
I, I feel I, like it. It is both important now, but will become less important as we switch over to that AR concept. Because think about how many games, especially like Beat Saber, for example, you don't need the background. You don't need the environment. You just need the activity coming. And so you could just have pass through for the rest of it. And suddenly Beat Saber is an AR game. Really, the environment is the reason why you would need this type of feature. Now, as a person who has had little children running around his house for 20 years, there is major value to this to be able to know that your kid isn't standing right in front of you so you don't whack them right in the face as you're trying to hit that block that's out there in the distance i I, but i do see this as a stop i do see this as a stopgap this is something that Mm -hmm. has but you can disagree with me Ian. absolutely yeah no the the only thing i guess i would add there is that i almost wonder if to what heaney is saying here that some of the companies opted not to do further VR products or AR products until this feature in particular is nailed down to to a pretty great degree. I, it's like, who wants to... It's, this is almost like a product that the fact that there were quests before this feature was out is like a sign of how aggressive Facebook wants to be in getting to this market first and establishing its name as like the de facto leader or innovator at the start of all this stuff. It's an example I'm sure the executives over there at Facebook will use to point to themselves as being innovators of taking risks and doing things that other companies uh, maybe aren't willing to do. But I'm just suggesting that I think you need this kind of feature, a space sense, in all devices going forward. And whether it's paired with pass-through for a mostly AR view of your environment or a completely virtual view of your environment, you need to know what's going on in the space around you to have a better experience. And so I just, I wonder, here we are finding this revealed in the earliest version of the latest software release for the Oculus Quest, but I don't think we're too far behind seeing similar things from Microsoft, Google, and Apple. I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that the reason that Oculus back in the kind of Rift CV1 era of 2016 was initially against the idea of room scale and the reason that a lot of those games that came out for the Rift at first were seated, were stationary, and even at the launch of Oculus Touch, the vast majority of the games did not encourage you to move at all, was this kind of safety and liability issue. And it really was HTC and Valve that took the first gamble of shipping a product that didn't have this kind of awareness and that can you uh, operate in room scale mode. And Facebook followed after seeing, well, they did it and they didn't get sued to bankruptcy and nothing really terrible happened. There are no New York Times headlines, man falls off balcony playing HTC Vive. It never happened. A lot of people worried that might happen. And now we get to this era where they just went ahead with it anyway. And now we're only catching up to the promises of what even Facebook wanted to have before they shipped this. So it really, it's interesting that it was HTC involved that maybe tipped the hand to ship room scale before any of this was available. See, I think it's, I think it's funny, uh, and I'm going to wait until this refreshes. This guy right here. Okay, when the guy comes back and the kid, a kid very obviously walks in front of him while he's playing in VR. Here it comes, and it. it it's almost fitting that the kid seems to be staring down at his phone and yep, not yep. 
spatially aware of what's going on around him. And that <laughs> dude's like, oh, like, what up? What, what are you doing? What a subtle thing. Like the, so it's like a yeah. dick that it's not VR, AR devices that are distracting. It's all these other devices, too. Yeah. Where is Space Sense on my phone? We watch all the videos of people like running along and with their phone in their hand and they just fall into a ravine. This is not a new problem and it's not specific for just VR and AR. This guy, another way you could look at it is, oh, hey, look, you're looking at, oh, what? are you going to text me back? No, you're just going to ghost me. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I feel like there's a really good potential horror movie here where someone starts to see things in the headset and then they take it off and they're not there and things start to blend between real or maybe yeah, even a horror they... vr game where that Ooh. starts to happen imagine a developer put in some enemies that look exactly like these ghosts i feel like that would probably not get on the Oculus right, store I'll, but it i'll could start be writing a script tonight <laughs> yep here we go yeah the ghost in the headset ghost in the VR headset yeah yeah go on the ghost in the headset ghost in the shell yeah okay that could work uh, too yeah, scary something for me. We'll figure it out. Bringing this up because it folds in everything with what like you know Ray Ban is doing and the path there that we're seeing from Facebook. Where I, I'd be curious, Heaney, if you have a better understanding of the technology stack here. But if you capture some depth data with your image data, you could layer on AR, AR effects into a pre-recorded video. So there's a path from just recording 3D videos of your surroundings or just just super wide field of view videos of your surroundings from your actual perspective, but then post-processing that video over on your phone and layering in all sorts of digital content into your environment so that you've got like a, a fun, a more fun looking video than just what you actually saw at any given moment. But if you're actually getting some depth data from the recording of that content, then you could potentially start training machine learning data sets on, on on how to recognize features in the environment and potentially uh, eventually lower the power consumption costs of the headsets themselves. And that's the ultimate path here, isn't it, Nini? Yeah, I think the, the big kind of push in computer vision recently is to not try to detect specific objects and just try to get this raw depth data from these cameras by just taking the stereo disparity or e even without stereo disparity these days because machine learning has got so advanced to that in Tesla's full self-driving beta the idea, and in products like SpaceSense. That's how this will work. This kind of revolution of being able to get depth without actual hardware depth information and without even stereoscopy. So the kind of things that they can do if they can already do SpaceSense in the environment in terms of blending your room and objects you might want to pick up and being able to, as you say, replay videos that have captured depth data. It's really the only limit is how much machine learning processing power there is on the chip. And each year, Qualcomm's going to release a new one and get further and further. But you know, until I always think Facebook gonna, develops its own, right? Until and if, I always point out that Google has only just is only just about to ship its own chip in the Pixel 6 this year, and it's been working on that for maybe five years. And there are companies that have tried to build these sort of chips and completely failed. It is a gigantic effort. So it'll be interesting to see whether Facebook can build the sort of chip engineering culture that produces that. We know they're now just soon about to ship in their own data centers a custom chip. And that's how Google started as well. For years, Google started to replace the machine learning chips in its own data centers and then moved on. So 
we'll have to keep a close eye on Facebook's own chip development over time. It's they certainly don't advertise it, but it's impossible for them to hide it given the job listings and the quality of talent that they have to acquire to make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. I see uh, Sampler19 in the comments says, Hi, I hear the words machine learning and data sets. I'm in the right podcast. Yes, yes, you are. Because what you don't know is that Heaney is actually an AI that we've been programming. Actually, he's been 100% programmed by Reddit comments in the Oculus subreddit. So that's, that's, exactly. that's where you come. <laughs> yeah. the, the entirety, <laughs> all of the Reddit comments in the Oculus subreddit, all of them. Man, I, I got to bring up, yeah, what's that uh, book again? It's Ender's Game. You're, you're like the kids in Ender's Game, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I actually think OpenAI's GPT was trained and done a lot of Reddit comments. Apparently there was yeah. some issue where somebody's Reddit comment was just completely spat out one time, although... I think that was a glitch with it rather than... I've heard that there's been some AIs trained by social media that have gone very wrong very quickly. So Microsoft, uh, yes, where it became (laughs) every ism on on the planet imaginable. Every ism, Sexist, homophobic, Uh everything. Just shows how if you just put raw data in without thinking about it, what's going to happen? You've got to be very careful about what data you use and exactly how you use it and what exactly you're teaching the machine to do because if if you yep. just use data like that, all you're going to do is teach the machine to be just as bad as the data you're giving it. Exactly. Emulation. And, that's and, what it is. And, and pretty soon, and my point is, uh, pretty soon we're going to be feeding it 10 meter by 10 meter or 15 meter by 15 meter data sets potentially to show where those tracking glitches are. Not just that, the but I fully of, expect Facebook yeah. to see the products in my house and send me advertisements for those products. If I've got a, bo- a bottle of or a jar of uh, GIF peanut butter on my table, I expect to see GIF peanut butter ads in my Facebook feed. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember seeing watchers. Andrew Bosworth, Facebook's VP of Facebook Rally Labs, talk about this one. Someone was bringing up to him on Twitter, do you use the microphone data and implying do you use the camera data? And what he said and what has been said by quite a few of Facebook's ad engineers, including ones who have left the company, is they don't really need to. People are more predictable than we like to believe. And even with the data they already have, they can tell what we want to purchase next, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, or fortunately, if you're one of the people placing an advert, I guess. Yeah. yeah, pretty predictable. Which is why every ad on every page that I have been to for the last two days have been Ray-Ban. Ray-Ban, <laughs> Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban on every site, everything. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, why don't we move on since we already talked about Space Sense? We'll just jump into the uh, next piece of news here. Quest Pro. <gasps> there it is again. Quest Pro. Face and eye tracking references found in the oh, firmware. Shoot. We're going to do links first. We skipped I, I links. Mean, yeah, well, we skipped links. We'll come back. We'll finish off with links. That way okay. people know they, they, they want to stay to hear about links, but they have to listen to this first. Let's do that. So. Face and eye tracking references found in the firmware with Oculus Quest Pro will Oculus Pro see now I'm all blah, 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 blah. will Oculus Quest Pro have eye tracking, face tracking, and lens depth adjustment references found in the Quest Firm by Reggie Zero Four suggest that it might. Well, okay, so I read this article and it looks like I have to. Smile and grimace and be shocked and be irritable. And and the whole time I'm doing that, the Quest Pro may be tracking all of those things to see 
to be able to present that in an avatar. I'm assuming that along with this, it's not discussed at all, but a new avatar system will occur. So I will be able to see you, Ian, actually grimace at my jokes, my dad jokes. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I've been practicing. That's what all this time is about me practicing to control my (laughs) facial expressions so that you can't tell uh, how disgusted I am by your dad jokes. Wait, Artful says Kyle nearly said Oculus Pretzel. I almost said Oculus Pretzel. Okay, that's a thing now. I want to see I want to see what that looks like. Tweet those images to me. Oculus Pretzels. Okay, so first of all, we were still talking about Ian, you and I talk about Quest Pro all the time and then the potential mm-hmm. for it to exist. Is this more proof that this is going oh, yeah. to be a thing and well, it's going to th- yeah, I think that I don't think there's any question that it's going to be a thing or that Facebook is very of all the possible leaks we've seen out of companies and like a company changing its plans. Like, I really do think that we're the Facebook's going to follow through and actually ship whatever it's testing right now. Uh, there's just been too many obvious, very clear hints that they're going to do this. So, yeah, face tracking and eye tracking seem like a most obvious solution. And then I think we would also see color pass through. And then just between those three features, you will have a dramatically different upgraded experience that should still be backward compatible with the Quest 2. You would have a headset out of the box that would work with everything on Quest 2, and you would get a whole bunch of additional features and probably APIs that devs can access to do everything in a much more robust way. I'd also be curious if they do the outward-facing depth sensor to get better depth data. Do you think that's going to happen, Heaney? I specifically don't. I, I, I think maybe it'll never happen from Facebook because I think they are betting that machine learning with just regular cameras will be good enough. And the reason that I think that is obviously their strategy so far, but also Facebook's CTO, their chief technology officer, on Twitter a few months ago was praising Tesla's approach to full self-driving and saying that he admires the fact that they're using only cameras instead of LiDAR sensors like most other self-driving companies are trying to do. And if you look at kind of Facebook's approach to this, they're always trying to see how can we get these machine learning algorithms to run well on monoscopic cameras that are not anything special so that they can be shipped in these kind of wide-scale devices. And it seems to be always the Apple way to go the complete other direction and try and solve these problems with hardware before machine learning. But I, I don't expect to see Facebook put in those heavy, kind of expensive sensors, um, heavy from a cost perspective, not, not physically. As to whether Quest Pro will happen, I, I agree with you, Ian. It, it seems pretty, pretty solid at this point. We have the, the VP of Facebook Reality Labs hinting at it and saying that it's a thing, but it's not launching this year. We have Mark Zuckerberg saying that his most his personal most wanted feature in a new VR headset is face and eye tracking. And now we have Quest Pro reference in the firmware and face and eye tracking calibration steps. It seems I can't see any other conclusion here than that the next Oculus headset is going to be a Quest Pro that introduces face and eye tracking. Am I correct in seeing that these this device it actually attaches to the bottom of the quest and comes down yeah. over. This is over a the... research. This is a picture from one of their research papers quite a while ago. Sure. This is just so where they were experimenting with face and eye tracking built into headsets for their codec avatars and photorealistic. 
I believe, although I'm, I can't remember exactly, that the device on the right is just used for training and that the device on the left is the one that is actually used at runtime where you only have those three cameras rather than having six. So Got it. It, you shouldn't I was have to say, have anything like that. There will need to be if, a protrusion, if, yeah. though. Even on the left, you can yeah. see that it's going to, you can't really capture someone's face without protruding. So the nose gap will have to come down a little. Yeah. But I don't think that really, I don't think that's really a deal breaker to anyone. I was going to say, if they're going to go this far, they might as well just make an N95 and just turn it into a full mask. Basically, I would at this point just wear a whole motorcycle helmet with a filter system and cooling and everything. Where's that form factor? What was that big head? What was that like? Uh, no. And you're, you're muted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kyle, you're describing like a huge product category in the year 2025, right? It's yeah. like yeah. your mask accessory for your VR headset. Yep. So you mm. can go to the airport and be in public with other COVID-22 carrying uh, people. Oh, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I made a Kyle joke. <laughs> oh, man. I've seen some people suggest that approaches what App or, uh, Valve may take with their headset if they decide to launch a standalone which is instead of trying to make some sort of sleek visor that goes over your head you do just say you just say heads can support helmets they can support hats why not just build that sort of product that does encase your head or your face so that you can put in a lot more battery and a lot more sensors and more processing power and all of those things without having to play this constant game of miniaturization so i have to say if any company would do it it seems like valve would if you look at the index itself, they already made the decision to focus on comfort through weight balancing rather than through just making it tiny. And that was the index is a really comfortable device because of that. What if they took the same approach to standalone? That would be very interesting. Yeah, now, I would wear the Oculus helmet. I would totally wear that. Yeah, okay. Is this going to do anything like when you smile when you is this all camera or are there other sensors do we think so when you smile your cheekbones lift your brow moves up and down do you think that they could do other than optical sensors what do you think absolutely that actually is something they showed at oculus connect 2 which is that they use flexible sensors that are on the foam padding such that as you stretch your face muscles it can detect it because as you say you know there is no way to see the top of your cheekbones or your forehead with a camera. So that's it'll have to be some kind of sensor on the foam itself that as the foam deforms, as you're moving your uh, facial muscles, it can detect that. But as for the lower face, it sh there wouldn't be a need for anything other than the camera. But what I wonder here is, are these calibration steps, smiling, showing an angry expression, frowning, and then whatever the last one was, are these the only states it can detect is this like a it can detect your four facial expressions and show them when you do them or is this something that is actually going to just bring your lip shape in naturally it's a question of what is this quest pro going to be and is this going to be something that is just a little bit more expensive than quest and adds a few features or is facebook going to go all out and trying to say let's not worry about cost like we did with the quest 2 and just build the best thing we can for enterprise and enthusiast users it's, well it depends interesting. is it going to have ray-ban on the side because if so the price will be double what you want it to be <laughs> that's, that's all i have to say now i think this is something that we have seen i've seen this on social media and in certain people have said i don't care how much it costs just make the best darn headset you can and just make it cost whatever it needs to cost i just want it to be there to be available mm -hmm. and 
who knows? Maybe this is going to be a eight ninety nine headset. I would think not. But if they really push with the hardware just to get it out there for the diehards, the bleeding edge, uh, to, to people to get out there and get these headsets, whatever this headset is, Ian, you're going to get one, aren't you? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, yeah. One, one, maybe not, maybe two, depending. It will be competing. That's the thing. It will be competing with Apple for my money. So, like... I, it was my very last question to the Spade Trainer devs when they were in the studio here was, do you want to see multiple headsets from multiple companies able to run this arena scale experience so that we can take the Apple headset and the Quest Pro down to the tennis court together and still play this arena game together? That's the ultimate goal that we're talking about. It's just a question of how many years away it really is from being uh, a feasible thing. Uh, yeah, but you're, you're absolutely right. I will pay quite a lot for this because it's going to be everything the current Quest 2 is and quite a bit more than that that we've seen hints from left and right. I still wonder if Apple is going to ship gaming controllers or if the Apple users in the arena are going to have to go around with finger guns like this. Just use hand tracking because <laughs> you know, there's still all of the reports we've seen of Apple's headsets suggest that there's no sign of any touch-like controllers or Xbox or PlayStation-like controllers of any sort. So I do wonder how we're going to see compatibility between games like this. If, if, are you guys watching uh, Marvel What If? Did you see Happy I haven't seen in, last in the latest yet. episode? This is not a spoiler, but blam, blam, blam. And those of you who have seen that will understand. That's what you're going to have to do. That'll be the... That'll be the motion that you use to for the guns for the i've we've, we've talked about this a little bit heaney but i wonder about holding the iphone in your hand with the apple headset i yeah yeah no i expect that'll happen it makes far too much sense for it to not happen but it's still it's still not ideal compared to a controller especially the, the <laughs> fact that you can't actually see it and it has no haptics other than it's built in haptic engine it means it's pretty much just a touch surface in, in front of you it's I do wonder what Apple is going to do around games here because it's really hard to tell where Apple is with gaming because its strategy seems to differ so wildly between years. Sometimes it's push gaming and bring PlayStation controllers to the Apple TV and Apple Arcade. And then other times on the Mac, for example, for a while, you really just don't hear about gaming at all from Apple. It's, a, it's incredible to watch Microsoft and Sony in this death match of just acquiring devs and building out exclusive content libraries for their I, I don't know how apple could ever catch up to that they have to do something completely different or, or make a partnership that no one has ever seen before they need the, the tv setting. they need the steve balmer moment developers they need all the developers to come in and do all the stuffs but who knows maybe things have been happening in the background and we don't even know about it i th would imagine we would probably have heard about it by now but we're gonna have some version of space sense for apple we have to and i'm curious what they'll call it and i mean that's the the thing i saw people joking about today was didn't someone say that is it center stage what's the name of the feature yeah. on yeah so describe that feature and like I, on portal if you've got a portal video calling device the camera will zoom in on you and follow you around even if you're walking around the room so you actually stay like full screen on this video calling device, even though you're moving around and this AI camera is basically tracking you as you move around the room. And I think Apple just copied this feature, basically rolled out their own version of it uh, yeah, on, on their devices. 
on iPad Pro specifically, they've copied it. And I think you're probably thinking of the same tweets I'm thinking of where you see people go, oh, wow, what an innovative feature. Apple has really done it again. All the replies are all of the different products that have had this for years. But, you know, I think that's par for the course for Apple. It's Apple fans aren't usually aware of what features other products have. If Apple ships a VR headset, it'll be funny to see what things that are standard today Apple gets credit for It'll be the inventing. first consumer VR headset on the market, and it'll be amazingly <laughs> innovative. Oh, wow. So I, I don't recall which comment or which person said this. I apologize. Somebody in our comments said that you can have links after dinner. Almost as if Lynx is the dessert. Are you guys done <laughs> eating the main course? Are we ready for some dessert? Yeah, okay. Let's go. All right. Here it is, your your technological parfait for dessert. Lynx R1 price, $4.99 headset. $4.99 headset coming to Kickstarter. Hopeful standalone newcomer will cost $499 to pre-order when it hits Kickstarter later this month, which is September. So end of September. It will be available on a Kickstarter. Now, my first thought is, are, are we really still doing Kickstarter? I guess that's a thing still. And number two, what do we think of the price? I think you go first. Well, I think what's interesting about this price is that it's $499 for pre-order. I don't know. I've been off for the past two weeks, so maybe one of, someone has asked. But has anyone asked what is the price after pre-order? Is there... Ooh a price increase because it, it's very careful to say that the pre-order price is $499. Maybe we're not, we're, that's something we can obviously follow up pretty soon. But they did tease a while ago and we discussed on this show around a month ago, a few hundred dollars. I feel like $500 is just a little bit beyond a few hundred dollars. In my <laughs> view, I feel like you have to be 300, 400 at most to, to still qualify for that. But for what this device offers, for the fact that if they can follow through with their long-term goals and get controllers on this thing and have a f- attachment on the side that you can block out light and use it in fully VR mode, this is a a Quest 2 that's worse in some ways and better in other ways that is also an AR headset. So I remain cautiously but definitively optimistic about this this product links. I'll bring up an image here since it doesn't seem to be working. But th- yeah, this still remains my number one most anticipated AR or VR hardware. And I think this is, if they can deliver on what they're promising and they can ship at a reasonable scale, this will be the first serious competition to Oculus Quest. It won't be like huge, for like, it won't be par for yeah. par. But if and if then yeah, I think this is the first one that well, isn't going to just be vaporware. First of all, four ninety nine is a reasonable price for a headset that can do the things that it is saying that it will be able to do. At the same time, two ninety nine is an absurdly cheap price for a VR headset like the Quest that does what it does do. So there's, I need to have the links on my head, and I need to have it do things for me to see because it's not just about cost it's about value so if suddenly this device can do things that the quest 2 cannot or the quest pro will not we don't know i need to know whether or not 499 is an appropriate value for a device like this and in order for it to be 200 dollars 
more in value than the Quest 2. What does this headset have to provide you to justify that increase in cost? Yeah, the, the pass-through experience needs to deliver on, on everything that they've described and told us about, and we'll only get that with the actual hands-on experience. There's also, you're going to have a certain stable of killer apps that work out of the box for it even to come close. Like, you can sell a dev kit for these AR experiences, these, these AR and VR experiences at that price. But a consumer product, you're going to need a lot of. I noticed in the that they're planning to come with a USB-C cord. I think for PC VR experiences in some situation, that's part of it. But what about you know? I want proof that those things work really well with this uh, as well. Like other if those if all those things don't work well, if you don't if you can't connect this to your PC and play a great Steam VR experience. And if it doesn't have, yeah, something like that, then it's a dev kit. And it's a very interesting dev kit, but it's a very different market than, than a, a consumer product that can compete at that kind of price. I still think that even as an AR headset, this thing is worth it and compelling. There's What else is there out there that can deliver a 90-degree field of view, full opacity, augmented reality experience that consumers can buy? And in terms of whether the team can deliver, I, I've been watching these Oculus Rift killers and paying attention to them since 2013. Every year, every six months, there's, oh, this was going to be the Oculus Rift killer and these days now the Oculus Quest killer. And I, I feel like I've gotten a fairly good gauge for who is serious and who really understands the space. And from talking to Stan LaRue, the CEO of, of Lynx, for a while, I, I really do get the impression that this is someone who is engineering-minded, who cares about the space, who understands the technology and understands these devices and knows what is necessary and what is important to AR and VR users. That doesn't mean that he'll succeed in shipping. There could be things that are out of his control. There could be business realities that don't work. There could be all sorts of unforeseen issues. And that's why we can only really at this point say what we've seen and what they've promised. I really do, for the first time in many years, get the gut feeling that this is something real and something that could really deliver what people have been waiting for. I absolutely agree with you. However, I want to ask a question. To be objective and, and not to be swayed by the fact that I just want this device. That, with, that, with that being said, why hasn't anybody called this the HoloLens killer? In terms of AR, the HoloLens 2 is pretty beefy in terms of its power, its capabilities. The only problem is that uh, the field of view is minimal uh, and compared, was it like 60 degrees or something like that compared to 90? What is the amazing AR experience that exists on a HoloLens 2 that this thing will be able to rock because of the higher FOV? So like, yeah. it's interesting you bring up the killer headlines. Have we seen Quest killer headlines? Does that exist? Not from any outlet that's reputable. But yeah, of course, of course there are. Every time anyone announces anything that's even remotely a standalone VR headset, you get that. Even from the Chinese companies that were announcing things left, right, and center when Quest was first announced, 
Though I agree with you, it's there's definitely not. It's definitely not as much as when the Rift was around. When the Rift was around, mm. every VR headset was a Rift killer. But I, I think my but, point was more that you see these VR startups and AR startups promise the world a lot, and you you, you see a, an interview with their CEO, and usually you can tell this is just someone who's very good at getting VC money. To be real, but with this, with Stan Lurie and listening to all of his talks and looking at the product, I get I totally do not get that impression. I get the impression that this is not at all just a VC money hunt, that this is something very real. That's all I meant by that. No, I, I guess I was just keying on the on this thing that Kyle's kind of bringing up here of the difference in perceptions there of the reach of a product and what it actually is going to be good for. Is this competing with HoloLens or is this competing with Quest being like one of those questions there? And the I bring up that thing about the Quest killer question just because it underscores how different the perceptions of the VR market are now versus 2016 it feels like there's so many outlets out there that just got i don't know sucked in on the bandwagon of hype of what happened after facebook acquired oculus for three billion dollars yes this is going to happen and there's all these like jaded editors out there oh no vr is not going to happen so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna write another vr story and i don't know quest is I, i say all that it's just because quest is like an order of magnitude larger of a market for vr than Rift ever was. It, it, they said very quickly that Quest outsold all of those other headsets combined. And we're not seeing the media c- catch up to discussing where Facebook really is with with its Quest dominance. And it's hard to it's hard for me to process those those different worlds where HoloLens is not a consumer success, but the media at large isn't recognizing Quest success. Okay. So James O'Laughlin in the comments says Holland's two, magically one, etc., aren't the same class of products as video pass through AR. So this is video pass through AR. And you can tell if you watch the lights up on the ceiling, as they come into you can see that there's a disagreement between what you in the video here and what is actually happening in outside the lens. There's a little disagreement because the camera that's filming this is actually not where your eyeball would be, which is okay. It's not a, it's not a problem. The one-to-one experience I'm sure will be pretty close. This being video pass-through doesn't answer my question. And what is the killer here? I'll just use your examples. What is the killer magic leap app? What is the killer HoloLens 2 app that this headset will do better will perform better with what is the application what is the ar application i know i'm opening up a big can of worms here asking what ar apps need to exist for a good ar headset to exist that's a much bigger conversation but he do you have an answer here i would say in the consumer space Games is one of the first answers because it's not practical because you can't buy AR glasses as a consumer that aren't, you can buy very limited ones that have tiny fields of view and very limited capabilities. But this, I think the fact that this does have a VR field of view of 90 to 100, but in an AR pass-through mode means that the same kind of apps that we're going to see on Quest's black and white pass-through mode that we're seeing developers build. Those are the type of apps that we're going to see in this. As you said earlier, in Beat Saber, you don't really need to have the entire environment around you. These the, the notes could be coming through your wall or through your window or through your door. There are, I think you played the HoloLens app where the monsters come through your wall and through your door and you have to attack yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, Robo Raider or whatever it's called. Yeah, now. yeah. 
I think those sort of games where it's not practical when the field of view is, is a post stamp in front of you and all the enemies are translucent, but when you have something like this where you have opaque enemies and a wide field of view, that's where that starts to become a kind of relevant practical thing. And the only reason I wouldn't say other applications, the idea of Enreal's apps where you pin Netflix up here and have Spotify mm-hmm. playing over here is simply because this is still, even though it's more back heavy than front heavy, so it's going to be much more comfortable than something like a Quest 2, it's still not to the point where it's comfortable enough that you just want to sit down and relax with it. it so I, I think the answer to your question is room scale, augmented reality games, and immersive experiences. Here, Ian, here's your headline. Is, and then Game X, the Half-Life Alex for VR, for AR. The Half-Life Alex mm. for AR. What is that title? Who will be the first person to use that? Ian, do you, do you think you'd oh, use gosh, that headline? No, no please. The please Half-Life Alex for AR. Who I hope is we it? never do that. I'm sorry. I'll yeah, be looking I'm for that. Somebody do. find that and send it to me when you do see it finally. Because that seems to be the benchmark. It's, oh, does it run Crisis? Okay, does it run Half-Life Alex? We'll see. It's thinking back to the way the iPhone took over. Remember, there was their that there's an app for that campaign, and we're like, Beat Saber is the only thing that even a small segment of the general populace knows about. Even when I'm talking to people trying to find out who's got an Oculus or used an Oculus, they say, "Oh, I was slicing boxes or I was cutting boxes." Like they don't even actually remember the name of the game. <laughs> That's just how limited the general knowledge is of VR. Uh, these days one thing i just want to point out is when i say i think this thing could be a quest competitor i don't mean as it ships from kickstarter immediately this idea this product range of links once they do or sorry if they do ship a controller that is usable in the same way as touch if they two years down the line can make a future product that improves on things. That's what I think. I think this is the platform that can start to compete with Quest, not the specific exact first hardware without controllers, just to be clear. Oh, yeah. And I understand that. Truthfully, trust me, we've been through DK1, DK2, HD, this, this. This is going to have to iterate a few times. And anybody who thinks that out-of-the-box Kickstarter pre-order is going to do everything that it needs to do to be of that level of capacity. I, yeah, it's going to take an iteration or two. This is R1, maybe R2, maybe D2. I don't know. I'm just left with this overwhelming sense that everyone else is really catching up to Facebook. There's just so little uh, grasp of just what kind of a lead they have here and how hard it's going to be for others to catch up. I remember, I believe there was a quote from Steve Jobs when the iPhone came out suggesting that the software on the iPhone was maybe five years ahead of the competition. And if you go back and see feature sets, how long it took Google to catch up and start exceeding what Apple was doing with iOS, it took several years for that process to happen. And when I look at products like this and we talk about all the other things in our show here, I just, I really do think we're, we're seeing Facebook just beginning to stretch its legs as far as getting out ahead of what everyone else is doing. But it's definitely not a tortoise and hare scenario. It's definitely not a tortoise and hare scenario. Facebook is still going strong with their innovations. Just other people are getting right on their heels maybe i guess is well 
the thing is just they've got a different product philosophy. They've got a different kind of build philosophy than I think we've seen in the technology industry so far, where these software updates are rolling out almost weekly, as it seems. Now, we've, we've joked about it on previous shows, but they roll out this new version each month, but then stagger big features in each release into being almost a weekly thing where like I turn on my headset, boom, I've got something new. Go into the headset the next week, boom, I've got something new. It's every time if that's if they found that the average person stops using their quest after three uses, they figured out let's put in a new feature before they stop getting bored of the quest. And it's that's how quickly they're updating. And I'm not seeing that kind of speed out of anybody else. Yeah, it is remarkable how quickly they are able to ship software updates for this you know Facebook always has had their mantra as move fast and break things. And I think they changed that recently to move, just move fast or something similar to that. But I, I guess the the one reason I think that maybe it won't be in the situation where Facebook is five years ahead is that what really made iOS five years ahead was the user experience of the software itself. And I completely reimagined what a handheld mobile device could do and how it functioned in terms of user experience it if you look at all of the other phones and even pdas at that time they all just look like windows badly ported in to a device that fits in your hand and when you look at quest it, there's nothing magical or revolutionary about the software it's featureful there's lots of features and they're moving fast on that but the experience itself is still just a phone screen interface ported i wouldn't say badly but ported into vr and an app store silo model and links hasn't given any indication that they're going to do anything different but in terms of what other companies might do and how they might compete even with facebook's research lead where the potential seems to me to really get at facebook's armor and get the hole in their armor is to reimagine that software experience as something completely different for vr and ar and maybe even remove this idea of app stores that when you want to move to a different experience, you have to purchase mm. and download these different things. I feel like that's the opportunity to compete where even if Facebook delivers this amazing R&D and this super tracking and these controllers that go beyond the competition, if they're still stuck in this kind of very boring corporate idea of what VR system software can be, there's going to be a lot of room to compete with them. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what we see out of Facebook Connect with what Facebook does with some of their core technologies, avatars in particular. We're waiting for the 2.0 release. We saw it very early in this discussion where we, I saw it in our comments asking us where we get these avatars. We are using the 1.0 versions of Oculus avatars and the Heaney has rigged them up to hand tracking via the Oculus Quest sensors. So you can see my, my actual hand movements uh, when I get them. So my pinky disappeared there when they went out of view of my cameras. But yeah, these are Oculus avatars. The 2.0 versions of their avatars are coming very soon. And that will be a new API that's open to developers. But like, Heaney, if they've got like a lock on a product category like Quest, and they've reorganized their whole organization to be around this or, or to have this metaverse group that's trying to come up with technologies that extend from their universe of apps and devices to other people's devices. I, I keep thinking about the like button and how the like button ended up on pretty much everyone's website everywhere. 
And that was like open sourcing or, or making like accessible to devs a very easy to use technology that became usable in lots and lots of different ways. Do you think avatars or any other technologies that Facebook is developing could be released in that sort of way? Yeah, we've already seen that in a very minor way with the audio SDK. Before Steam Audio existed, a lot of the HTC Vive launch titles actually were using the Oculus Audio SDK. And Facebook didn't use that as a tie-in mechanism, but you could easily see them start to do that over time where they push their software experiences over others by just having these SDKs that are available and better on Quest, but do basically function on other hardware. Just to answer a quick uh, comment here from DarkElf77, was iOS really that advanced from Android? When Steve Jobs first presented the iPhone, Google was so shocked that they completely restarted their smartphone project. And that is a true fact. They, they literally went, oh my God, and just completely reimagined what they were doing, went back to the drawing board and questioned a lot of the fundamentals. And if you go and look into that and you look at what Google's smartphone project was going to be before that iPhone presentation, it was completely different and nothing like it. I'm, I'll criticize Apple when it's needed, but when it comes to the iPhone, that thing truly was five years ahead of all the competition. Yeah, but five years ahead of almost not really anything good at the time. That's the thing is that, oh, it didn't have copy and paste, but neither did anybody else. As a matter of fact, the the, the GUI interface of original Android, like version A, version B, before it was Cupcake, it was like, I can't remember what, but it was bad. It was really not good i I don't want to use any expletives here but yeah Uh, what do we think guys we've gone an hour and a half today how did we do that sorry i I muted myself yeah there's a lot to discuss (laughs) it's been a couple weeks since we've been in here it's been nonstop news dropping out there and i'm glad we've finally been able to catch up this stuff we function as like a weekly monitor for kind of the the way this stuff rolls and we're heading into the last part of this year where there's going to be uh, new iPhones out as well as whatever devices Apple actually announces. Maybe they surprise us and actually give hints that this development platform is coming for actual you know, glasses that you wear on your face. This is a magical time where, where there's like new things happening all the time. And even two weeks in here can be a really long time for actually processing how this is all changing. And obviously, Monday show, we get a we got affected by the holidays quite a bit. Yeah, we had plenty of stuff going on personally and professionally that kind of prevented us from getting together and doing this. And I guess that's why this episode was so long. We just needed we just needed some time to have some good, solid conversation. I, for one, get a lot of energy out of these conversations, knowing that these two wonderful folks and, and myself were in here. We're talking with all of you amazing people in the YouTube chat. A lot of very intelligent and uh, constructive conversation happening so yeah it's very good i as we finish up this show ian is there anything i mean on the horizon not to be confused with facebook horizon <laughs> is there anything on the horizon on at upload vr.com that we should be looking for oh just work we're, we're hitting the accelerator with our interviews in vr there we did i did a really great one with the eye illusions devs i'll be posting more clips from that on our social feeds as well as a more a briefer version of that conversation because it was like a lengthy talk that covered the development of from Space Pirate Trainer and 
adding the Tiltbrush developer Patrick Hackett to this this team developing the arena scale 10 by 10 meter experience. And then I've also got that interview with Chesney Mariani, the supernatural super fan that I was trying to get up late last week, but we got bombarded by all that news. We'll have videos uh, from both those interviews in our studio here very soon on our channel. And then we'll have, obviously, as we digest all the new features and new games that are coming out this season, we will have a lot on UploadVR.com. Yeah, yeah. And Nahini, obviously, you've been out and about for the last two weeks. Anything fun and exciting coming your way this week? Just after this, I'll be looking into the information's latest report on Apple's VR headset and, and writing that up. I'm a subscriber of the information. I think they're a great outlet for finding out information from these big tech companies. So we'll be digging through that and bringing you the relevant details. And uh, the, one, cool. the one last thing I forgot to say on our, our topics today is that two of them are quite related in that I think, as Ian brought up, will Quest Pro have color cameras? If yes, Lynx is a lot less appealing. But if no, Lynx, I think, will still have its its pretty significant place in the little flow charts working out in Heaney's head. I can, I can picture it here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, like many of you in the comments here in the chat, I will be watching the Apple keynote tomorrow and hoping, just hoping that we see something fun and exciting that we could talk about next Monday. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I meant this in Apple's one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Yeah, oh, I one see. More thing. You got me. You got me. Oh, I love it. Yes, but just one more thing would be lovely. It sucks that you have to wait until the end of it to do that. If Tim Cook would just say, and one thing first, and get all the good stuff out. But he, he's going to leave it just like we left links for dessert if it happens at all. I want to encourage all of you to go to uploadvr.com and check out all of our latest news reviews, comments, and interviews. And fully expect to see somebody tweet to me an Oculus pretzel, whatever that may look like. I'll be looking for that. Go check out our YouTube, like, subscribe, hit slam that bell or whatever it is the kids say nowadays. Great. I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you in the future. Bye-bye.